And uh, this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, it's the second book, uh, sorry, the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, to help us have that scripture come alive this morning, we're going to see and hear the scripture on the screen. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When we get good news, we give good news. We've been talking all month throughout Advent of the thrill of hope. We've been seeing how hope has entered into our world through Jesus. And when you have been given hope, we need to give hope. The story uh, today is one that we don't necessarily talk about a whole heck of a lot. Uh, Simeon and Anna, you know, we get excited about the birth of Jesus and then we kind of gloss over everything until Jesus is 33 and jumps into his ministry. But it's, it's good to pause this day after Christmas and to consider these two seasoned saints, Simeon and Anna. And the first thing as I was reading through this passage, the first thing that struck me as we continue with this theme of hope is that hope is steadfast. Hope is steadfast. Simeon and Anna, 
They'd been waiting, and we've heard throughout this month how Israel had been waiting 400 years of silence. Where, when is God going to speak? What is God going to do? And they're just waiting. But what did they do in their waiting? They continued to pursue God. Look at Luke 2.25 here where it talks about uh, Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. That meant he was pursuing God. If he's righteous, he's pursuing God regularly. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. See, before Christ, the Holy Spirit wasn't given to everybody. We know today from our study of Scripture that if you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. But before that, in the Old Testament times, before Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit was placed on people for a time. That's why in Psalms, David prayed, don't take your Holy Spirit from me after he sinned. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon. goes on to say, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. I believe it was Max Lucado who said, Simeon was a man who was led by the Spirit of God, taught by the Word of God, and obedient to the will of God, and therefore he was privileged to see the salvation of God. Simeon lived his life for Christ, and he understood the implications of Jesus' life and death. He was waiting for Jesus. The Spirit was on him. The Spirit moved him, it says. And it's easy to ask, well, how, how did the Spirit move him? Was there an audible voice? Simeon, this is the Lord speaking. How did he know? Did he have like indigestion? Did he get, get confused with some bad pizza? How do we know if the Spirit is speaking to us? Because we should all be paying attention, right? We should all be looking expectantly like Simeon was, waiting for the Spirit to move in our lives. One thing I can tell you is the Spirit's never going to move you in contradiction to his word. So if you come to me and said, God has told me to do this and it contradicts scripture, it's not God telling you to do that. That was probably your leftover Christmas dinner last night. But I do believe the Spirit moves us. How does he move us? He moves us through our conscience. He moves us through the peace that we have. I know that when Mel and I have been faced with decisions, we've looked down, you know, and we let our mind wander down one pathway. You ever done that? And then you let your mind wander down the next pathway, what it might, what the woulda, coulda, what might it be? God, often when our mind goes one way, we are stirred up in our spirit. We are not settled. And when our mind goes the other way, we have a calm sense of peace. To me, that's the Spirit guiding and directing. And it's not that the one I have peace about is going to be easier. I know the outcome. Sometimes the other way is like, that makes a lot more sense from a human perspective. But I'm not settled. And I know that God's, not, God's telling me not to go that way. And he's telling me to go this way. He speaks to us through our conscience, through... Uh, as we read his word, as we pray. And I th that's the other thing I want to challenge us to do as we think about the spirit moving in our lives is we come to God and we talk a lot. You ever do that? Hey, God, this is that. I need this, need that. Can you move in this way? Can you take care of this? 
think sometimes God's waiting for us to shut up so that he can begin to show us. He can begin to guide us. He can begin to move us. He'll bring scriptures to my mind at different times when I'm waiting inside. I'm like, okay, he's showing me something. He's speaking to me as he brings scriptures to mind. Or as he brings somebody across my path or that song comes on the radio that points me to him. And again, it doesn't contradict his word, but he still moves if we're listening and if we're paying attention. Simeon was tuned into God. He was in the temple. He was in God's word. If you're not in God's word, it's going to be hard for God to speak to you. Spend time in his word. Simeon was in the temple. Another person in the temple that day was Anna. Matter of fact, Anna was in the temple all the time. The scripture passage tells us. Jump to the next page. There was also a prophet, Anna. She was very old. Now, please don't take offense at this because the passage says she was like 84. So if you're in your 80s, you're not very old, okay? That's not me saying that, okay? Just going with what the passage says. Lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow till she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. These two people were steadfast in their hope. And as I'm getting older myself, I'm noticing that sometimes as we age, we get a little more cynical and a little more critical. I heard a laughter over there. Sorry if I'm stepping on toes. But we can do that. Age brings that about, doesn't it, at times? And that's what I love about Simeon and Anna. We don't see any of that cynicism with them. They had no reason for optimism. Remember, 400 years of silence. Hypocrisy in the temple from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was much to be discouraged about, to be critical of, to be cynical about. And yet that's not what was part of their spirit. They had an optimistic, a hopeful spirit And I can't help but think that's partly because they were so ingrained in God's word. So ingrained in praying and in listening and paying attention to the spirit. There's much for us to be cynical and critical about today too, isn't there? The politics and mandates and vaccines and viruses and and referee calls and Seahawk games and, and all sorts of things. But if we come back to God's word and spend time in it, and we said already, if we've been given hope, we need to give hope. But if we're seeking to give hope and our life doesn't back up what it is we say, if we don't exude hope, if we're not talking like we have hope, why are people going to believe us? Jesus is in the hope of the world, but I'm so frustrated and upset about the government and what they're doing. Well, is Jesus the hope or not? We have to live like we believe we have the hope we talk about. If you're in life group this last week, I know many groups took a break for Christmas, but one of the, the digging deeper portion was from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 16. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope 
on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. But it doesn't end there. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Set your hope on God and live in faithful obedience and holiness. Got to do both. If I'm setting my hope in God, I need to follow through in obedience. This time of year, we're all looking towards the new year. Brenda talked about it, and we're all thinking about decisions we might need to make. Maybe this new year is time for you to be into God's word on a regular basis. Mel and I are coming down to the end. We've been reading through the Bible this year with a couple friends down in New Zealand and writing notes back and forth, and it's been a great experience. I highly recommend it. In fact, if you have your phone with you right now, I, pull your phone out in the service, download version. I want to encourage you to do it right now. If you forget what I'm, not, what I'm saying next, that's fine. But in version, there's all sorts of plans. You might want to start with just a seven-day plan. Like, man, 365 days, that's a little overwhelming. If I get off in day two, then I'm never going to catch up. So start with a seven-day plan or a 30-day plan. Go into the settings and set it so you get the verse of the delay delivered to your home screen every day. Every day. So at least you're getting one verse, if nothing else. Because if our hope is going to be steadfast, we have to be in God's word. If our hope's going to be steadfast, we need to be in community. Maybe starting in the new year, you need to get connected into more deep community through a life group. You need to join one of the classes that's happening so that you can be listening to God's word. Be listening to his spirit so that your hope can be steadfast. Because there's a lot in this world to discourage and overwhelm us, isn't there? But our hope is not in this world. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world, Jesus said. May your hope be steadfast. But hope isn't just steadfast. Hope is also seen. God told Simeon you weren't, he wasn't going to die until he saw the Messiah. How amazing a promise is that? And how long did Simeon have to wait for that? It might go, man, is God ever going to show up? Is he ever going to fulfill his promise? We talked about last week that God's presence and promises provide hope. Simeon was in God's presence. Simeon knew God's promises, and so he had hope, and he continued to hang his hat on that hope until God's perfect timing happened. Do you think that Simeon, just by accident, happened to be in the temple the day that Jesus came? It was mere coincidence. I don't believe God works in coincidence. God is sovereign, and God has a plan, and his timing is perfect. Habakkuk, chapter 2, a prophecy about the coming Messiah says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, sometimes hope lingers, doesn't it? Wait for it. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Jesus' second coming, it's a hope, a promise we wait for, and it feels like it lingers. 
Your prodigal's coming home is something that you wait for and it lingers. Financial peace is something that we wait for and it lingers. Our friend coming to faith in Christ, we hope for it and it lingers. But don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Did you know that? God set eternity in every human heart. Even those hearts that seem so far from him, there is eternity set in their hearts. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He makes it beautiful in his time. So don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep sharing. Keep steadfast in hope because hope is seen. And how important for people to see hope, to see the good news of Jesus in their own life before they taste death. Amen? Because we know, we know from the study of Scripture that we are eternal beings. And those who've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior spend forever in his presence. And those who don't spend forever in eternal torment and hell and away from him. That's why, that's why these two things are so key to be linked Yes, we celebrate the good news of Jesus being born and the hope, but we have to also remember that he came to die. He came because he loves you. He came because he wants you to have hope that is steadfast. Hope not just for tomorrow. Hope not just in our, the season we live in in this world, but hope for eternity that you will have life with him forever. And that truly is good news, isn't it? It's the good news for the whole world. He tells us in 2 Peter, Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Oh man, I'm so glad God is patient with me. He's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's why it's so important that if you've been given hope, you need to give hope. Have you been given hope this morning? Oh, my word. Rod, where is Rod? Have you been given hope this morning? Yes. Then we need to give hope. It's important. (laughs) Just teasing you, buddy. I was just needing needing some energy, man. Okay, thanks, brother. Thanks. As we, as we wrap up this Advent season, as we wrap up this year, I think this is a great time for us to pause and reflect that hope has been made real. So I hope as you came in that you grabbed the communion cup. It's a two-layer thing. I encourage you to open it away from your body so you don't get the juice on you. But you... You peel back first the little clear plastic portion. And it reveals the wafer. And I'm struggling to peel mine back. There we go. So Jesus, the night he was betrayed, gathered his disciples together. 
This is 33 years after the birth in the stable. And he told them that his body was going to be broken for them. As he hung on that cross, the nails were driven into his hands and his feet. The nail pierced his side. He was broken to give you and I hope. And we take this wafer and we, together, it's a time to remember that hope. Not just the hope in a manger, but the hope that comes from a cross. We eat the wafer with me. He also took the cup. He said, this is a symbol, reminder of my blood that was poured out. They pierced him in the side, blood and water gushed out. He shed his blood so that your sins and mine could be forgiven, so that you truly could have hope. And then he conquered that sin and death by coming back to life. Amen. So I encourage you as we take this cup and drink it to just pause and to thank God for spilling his blood so you could have hope. You've been given hope. We just celebrated that hope as we took communion. So if you've been given hope, you need to Give hope. Hope is steadfast. Hope is seen. And hope is shared. At least it should be. I mean, that's what Simeon did. Simeon didn't just rejoice in the fact that, boy, I got to see the Messiah. I can die now. But he shared that hope. He burst into a song of praise. Is hope so wrapped in your life that you just can't? contain it, and you just burst into a song of praise. I love this song of Simeon. It it starts with just that, an anthem of praise. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I've seen your promises. I've sensed your presence. God, you are true. You are real. You give hope. You may dismiss me. Lord, I'm looking forward to seeing you. He starts with an anthem of praise and of hope. Then he moves into a gospel song. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He recognized the baby born in the major was truly, he wasn't just a baby. He wasn't a political ruler. He was the hope for all. Thank you for saving us. That's what we just did with communion. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Anthem of praise, gospel song, and then he bursts into a missionary march. Thank you for your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. A missionary march. This salvation isn't just for me. This hope, this good news isn't just for me to hold on to, to keep to myself, but it's to be shared, the Gentiles and the Jews. And it's not a coincidence again. That in this passage, a man and a woman were revealed 
by the Holy Spirit revealed to them, and they made a declaration of the good news. Look at Anna. Anna's been there worshiping God in the temple, coming up to them, Mary, Joseph, Jesus. At that very moment, again, not a coincidence, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward. She spoke about Jesus to everybody that she could, that she came in contact with. She'd received hope. She'd been given hope. So what did she do? She gave hope. Jesus' very last words, wrapping up his ministry on earth before he ascended into heaven, were our missionary march. The mission doesn't change. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You've been given hope. Go and give the hope to others, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You don't go on this mission alone, but Jesus is with you. You might think you don't have much. I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Christ as a five-year-old. God put a call in my life as a teenager. I thought, what story do I have to share? And then God convicted me when I was in college. He said, Brian, my power to protect you from so many of those things is just as strong as my power to save you from so many of those things. If you've been given hope, you share hope. God's given you a seed of hope. And he wants you to plant it into the world. There's a Dr. Seuss movie out there called The Lorax. And it's a, about uh, this guy, the Lorax, who's there to protect all the trees, to protect um, the forest. And this guy named the Wunstler comes, and in his greed, he cuts all the trees down. And once he realizes what he's done and the devastation that he's done, he kind of lives as a recluse for the rest of his life. And then we get introduced to this young boy named Ted who lives in this town, this walled town, uh, where everything is fake. There is no trees, there's no grass, uh, everything's plastic, and uh, there's a guy there who even sells air. Um, that's what the story's about. And Ted hears about a tree, and he's on a quest to find out more about a tree and how he can find a tree or have a tree, and he interacts with the Wunstler. And uh, this little clip from the Lorax, uh, I also think speaks to us as we take the seed that we have of the gospel and seek to plant it. Watch with me. So this is really all your fault. You destroyed everything. The Lorax left. I've sat here regretting everything I've done, staring at that word, unless, and wondering what it meant. But now I'm thinking, well, maybe you're the reason the Lorax left that word there. Me? Why would he leave that for me? Because unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Trees anymore. Then make them care. Plant the seed in 
the middle of town where everyone can see. Change the way things are. I know it may seem small and insignificant, but it's not about what it is. It's about what it can become. That's not just a seed. Any more than you're just a boy. you down. I know. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Dr. Seuss had some wisdom, eh? Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot and takes the seed of hope that you've been given... Ted said, nobody cares about trees anymore. We could easily say, nobody cares about Jesus anymore. To which the once replied, then make them care. Plant the seed, however small your seed is of hope that you have, plant it in the middle of town where everyone can see. I know it may seem small and insignificant, but it isn't about what is. It is about what it can become. And think about that multiplied by the Spirit of God in your life and in our church, and in our community, and in our world. What it could become when we give the hope that we have. We challenged, we've been challenged over time in these last couple of years at different times to pray for three people who don't know Jesus in our life. I want to call us back to that as we close out 2021 and look to 2022. Who are three people you know who don't know Jesus that you can be praying for on a regular basis, looking for opportunity to share the hope that you have? A few weeks ago, we asked, um, we asked you all to do a survey. Uh, Scott did that right in the middle of the service. And we appreciate everybody who, who filled that out. Uh, one of the couple of questions I want to share with you this morning just about the survey results. Uh, one was, one of the questions was, I heard about South Hills Church from, uh, heard about South Hills Church from, and there was online search, social media, friend and family, or other. Look at this. 64% of the people who come to South Hills Church heard about South Hills Church, heard about hope from a friend or family member. Isn't that awesome? But then I teamed that with the next question, which was in the last year, I invited blank friends to attend, watch a South Hills service. 36% of us said zero. So 64% of us came to church because someone else, and then we didn't follow through and do the same thing. Now, praise the Lord for these. Man, 20% have invited four or more people to South Hills. That is awesome. We've all been given hope. So we need to give hope. Pray for three. Invite them. Share the hope that is within you with them. Another way that we can be ready to share hope is uh, we're going to be launching uh, all of our global outreach teams again for 2022. We're going to see how many we can put together. There's a sheet of paper on some of the chairs there. I invite you to take this with you. Uh, so we're planning teams back to Louisiana at the end of April, uh, to Montana in June, Honduras in July, Philippines in September, and Kenya in October. And you might say, well, can we truly travel yet? We're going to plant a seed, see what happens. 
And if you'd like more information about these teams, we're going to do an information night on Sunday evening, the 16th of January. I want to encourage you to mark your calendar. If you have questions about travel, about vaccines, about ministry, about what we're going to do, come that night and uh, we'll answer those questions for you. But I encourage you as you look towards the new year and you think about how can I give hope, this might be one of the ways that you can give hope. And I want you to pray about how God would do that. Today is Boxing Day. Uh, shout out to Jim and Allison Landymore from Canada, the Canadians. They, Boxing Day, we lived in Australia, New Zealand. Boxing Day is a big deal there. Not such a big deal in the colonies here. But the origin of Boxing Day is interesting. Boxing Day was about uh, honoring servants. So if you were wealthy enough to have servants... Typically on Christmas Day, the servants didn't get the day off because they were too busy putting on Christmas Day for you. And so on the 26th, you would honor your servants by giving the day off, often giving them a box with a gift of some kind that they could enjoy their Christmas the day after Christmas. As I was thinking about Boxing Day and I was thinking about, you know, how we celebrate the good news of Jesus and we relish in that and we just soak it up on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. As Brenda said, it doesn't end with Christmas Day. It begins at Christmas Day. As we think about Boxing Day and the gift that we can now give to others around us is that gift of hope. You've been given hope, so give hope. We start to wrap up here, just uh, three questions for you. The first one, have you ever experienced God's hope personally for yourself? If you haven't, today would be an excellent day for you to receive that gift of hope for yourself. Jesus loves you. He wants to give you hope and joy and a future. And simply by praying and receiving, saying, Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I need you. He will come into your life. You can do it right where you're sitting. You can do it at home. Or at the end of the service, we'll be up here, and we'd love to pray with you and show you how you can have that hope for yourself. If you're a Christ follower, what do you need to start doing in the new year to be more steadfast in your hope? Do you need to start reading God's word more regularly? Start a Bible reading plan? Do you need to get connected into life group? Do you need to work out some relational issues and, and start attending the peacemaker class after the new year? Or do you need to get your finances in order so they're not making you anxious and you can be more generous and more stable in your income? Can you need to join financial peace? There are other things that you need to do. Take that connection card out and fill it out and just put on there, I'm gonna do this. Make that your first step. You can put the connection card in one of the boxes on your way out. If you're online, they'll put a connection card there. You can fill that out, and we will get that in the office this week. And finally, who is it that you can share hope with? Have you been given hope? And can you give hope? Almost every name of God uses attributes that reinforce how lofty and exalted and separate he is. Elolam, everlasting God. Jehovah Mekodeshkem, Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. All true, 
comforting and singular, emphasizing his untouchable, unattainable, unrivaled power. Someone so big and omnipotent that language can never fully capture his essence, any more than a graven image could. But you know what? There's something better than words or statues or names. It's something the prophet Isaiah foretold. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. It's not about the name Emmanuel. It's about the manifestation of that name, the audacious, this really happened miracle of God taking on human skin, arriving down at our level, surrounded by straw, barn animals, manure, tears, a wooden feeding trough for a crib, frightened parents way over their heads, total strangers barging in on the whole scene, every detail so deeply human and raw. And he was willing to go through it. Even the worst, that would come 33 years later, all for one reason, to be with us. It almost sounds too good to be true. And that's because if there's one thing you could say God is too much of, goes a little overboard with, it's goodness and truth. What then shall we say? What of names of prophets, conquerors, secret pregnancies and surprise guests at a birth? For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, that we're not alone anymore. Emmanuel, God with us. The messages we've received mean we are not hearers only, but doers and messengers of word proclaiming the news to the four corners of the earth, inviting all to come and see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it never can, and it never will. It's not that people ought to know, people could know, people should know, but people must know. The wait is over. We're the messengers now.